then the first thing I would really like to discuss with you would be your background. So how you actually got started. Uh, I know we've talked about it briefly, but I actually personally don't know all the details. So I'd love to know about yeah, when you first saw RoundNet and then when you first played RoundNet. Okay. So I saw RoundNet for the first time in 2016, I want to say. Um, basically, when I started my engineering school, uh, Louis-Jules had brought the set, the Skyball set, to our school because there's a bunch of us in France, Louis, Hugo, Marius, um, who all went to the same school and discovered RoundNet at the same time, so six or seven years ago. And Louis-Jules brought it over because Tola was in California before and discovered it there in the U.S. So that was like one of the first tournaments I don't think in France, because maybe Charles had brought it in Paris as well, but at least in Toulouse, it was one of the first tournaments. And that's where I saw it for the first time, played at that tournament with a friend. And then I did like maybe two, three sessions after that, got into like the three years of engineering school with a lot of work and just <laughs> didn't play around it for three yeah. years um, because it was just like, yeah, hyper-focused on work, didn't see the uh, yeah. point of balance and all that um but three years later i had time and i thought hey why not try around it again and yeah tested it out had fun enjoyed it stuck to it <laughs> enjoyed around it to lose and so on do, do, like thinking about 2016 do you think you were one of the first. <laughs> no, hey, the three-year break is what done you, not the not the not the time you took before. Um, no, I'm thinking more about. Um, do you think you were one of the first people in Europe to have been exposed to Roundnet? I know you, in France it was likely that there was another groups like in another region of France, but in in Roundnet terms, 2016 in Europe is very early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really early, and I thought it was like at the very beginning. But then I feel like in Romania it was even earlier. In Germany was there are a lot of like small groups. I feel like there were small groups just like in a lot of different European countries at that time. Where like when people talk about the history of their country, there's always like some random person who had a set in 2016 in their country. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, because Round at Toulouse didn't even exist at that point. It it was created, I think, in. 2021 and in 2020 maybe there was like a regular 12 person group that played that maybe i should have started at that moment but i wouldn't be at the same level as i'm now but isn't that crazy the thing that like how much just growth has happened in in europe the last mm-hmm. three years like you just talk about Toulouse, like going for 12 people now they're going to hosting majors and being a like yeah. official club and it's just one of several like potentially one of hundred one of hundreds clubs that are now you know in europe like how (laughs) and and yet that's all happened in the last three years and yet the four years before that when you first saw a set in 2016 not much happened maybe because hey hey cross the link right you wasn't you wasn't playing you wasn't playing (laughs) the link slowly (laughs) ring down slowly everything down but yeah i remember even like because i saw i still followed it a little bit through about and so I remember, like, during the COVID part, Roundnet Toulouse would, like, have challenges of, like, trying to trick shot in your garden and film it mm-hmm. and send it to Instagram. And so there was, like, some there were some people that, yeah, just 
play and pour combien was already practicing in their backyard during COVID, les mm. jours as well. So no, that's definitely that's fun to think about. <laughs> so, so, so 2016 was when you first got exposed to it. Yet you was in the US from what dates or what years of your life and you never got exposed to it during that period? Yeah, I was there for 17 years, so until 2016. So during that whole time? Yeah. And and, and you was in San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken? Mm-hmm. So you yeah. was in like very close to the hub of where it got started because it was very much like a West Coast uh, thing in the beginning. So you was, <laughs> you was in like the home state and you never got yeah. exposed to it in those first 17 years despite the spike ball coming on the scene, you know, 2000, around 2010, 2010, I think. Honestly, also don't have like I've, I've I've tried thinking back on it of have I did I see a set and just not realize it was a set, but I genuinely <laughs> don't have any memory of that. And like I I think California around it and San Francisco they practiced in Golden State Park. And when I was in high school, I went to high school in San Francisco, and our sports like sports days or sports courses were in Golden Gate Park. I mean, it's a really big park, but still, I'm just like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never, That's never. Crazy. <laughs> That's such like a strange coincidence because that pickup group would have been like one of also the few that had good numbers in the whole of the US during that time period. And yet you didn't get exposed to yeah. around that then. That's so. That's so, that's so interesting. And where was Louis Uve, uh, Louis Uve when uh, he got exposed to Roundnet and then brought it back to France? So Thomas is the one who discovered it, and I think he was in uh-huh, the LA okay. area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So also California <laughs> and the closest to San Francisco. Yeah. So it took for you to be in the hub of Spikeball, a company, to move out, let somebody else go to the same state, bring it back, yeah. and then to get exposed to the sport. Exactly. The irony. That's, so, that's a good story. That's a good story though. Okay. So so then so then you took your, your three year break slash focusing on engineering school and then picked it up how when did that when did it how, how did it pick back up how did the pace then change from nothing to, to oh yeah i'm interested again now yeah so i think i was in so my last year of engineering school i was in barcelona for an erasmus and so i went to a few pickups with around at barcelona which was nice to like meet that club but it was also far from where i lived so i didn't go yeah maybe once twice or three times like during the four month period i was there um, and so when I got back to France, I lived in Paris first. Same thing, like pickups were far, 40 minutes mm-hmm. by metro or something, didn't go much. And then moved to Toulouse where it was five minute bike rides to pickups. And mm-hmm. so I started going a little bit more often and being like, hey, I actually enjoy this. And yeah. <laughs> okay. I just stuck. And I think the, 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 like, the question that's always fun to ask everybody is is like, why was you interested in it? Like, just because you see it doesn't mean you have to like it. You know, I, yeah. I see other sports doesn't interest me. Why Why did you like round it? To be honest, I don't know because I also, <laughs> like, I come from a swimming and triathlon background. So I was really uncomfortable when I first started playing as well, which is, is that's not something that'll make you enjoy the sport more. And I don't know why, because I, I definitely, when I started, I felt like I was just awful and I... I've never, like, I've played some ball sports and recess, basketball, football, anything like that. I, like, I enjoyed sports, but I was really very much 
a swimmer five times a week, competition on weekend, mm-hmm. and that's in the water. Like you don't need, you don't have balls everywhere. <laughs> you not no coordination, nothing. You must be amazing well, in you, the rain. Yeah, <laughs> or a little like water polo spikes and spikes with the actions. That's where all expels. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. So no, I honestly don't know why I enjoyed it. I think I just at the beginning I went because I enjoyed maybe the social aspect and then after having been to like 10-12 sessions and feeling like I was capable of progressing as well um, where even though I felt awful in terms of reflex I still do today but at least I feel less of that than (laughs) before so I see the progress Um, and I think kind of maybe the social part kept me going to the pickups and then the sport made me enjoy it and want to do more okay that's probably cool. my guess because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it really was like not it would not have been the sport i would have imagined doing well yeah i i have to say off the top of my head i really don't know many swimmers even triathletes but swimmers primarily that have come into the sport around it like we talk about baseball players yeah. tennis players soccer players but swimmers i don't know if i could yeah. name another that i know personally that's like that swam a lot um yeah very interesting but no it's cool it's cool <laughs> yeah okay so then once you then got a little bit more interested in round net and then was like yeah you know what this is going to be like my sport or side hobby right besides work and, and life um you then got more involved with the round net to lose did you was it obviously getting involved more as not just on the court but also off the court if i'm not mistaken yeah, so I think um, when I started, it was when I started playing a little bit more regularly, it was towards like the end of the season where um, I did the first tournament in Paris and then my like second tournament ever was in Leuven. I was just like, there are French people going there, Robin's going there. So then I was like, hey, why not sign up and played with Anaïs there, which was a lot of fun. And then it was French nationals. <laughs> so, so like, <laughs> Yeah, it went really quickly, but um, I think the fact that I like traveled for my first tournaments got me interested in the organizing part, and um, the people that were that created Round Net Tools were also people from the school that I was at at the very beginning with Louis Jouve and Marius Yuko and all that, Ahoma and Gabi, they're the ones who created Round Net Tools, um, and so it was nice like reconnecting with them as well after three years of being in different schools, and... And I, yeah, I just wanted to help out. I had more time when I was a student. Um, and I then, yeah, I, I think I started doing some social media stuff at the beginning. And then they, oh, yes, there you go. They all left because I, they were going to start work. They were finishing school as well. And so Round at Toulouse was just like five or six of us. And us looking for who's going to take over the club and all that. I didn't want to at that point because I just started like a month or two months ago. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I was interested in helping out. And then it turns out I was the secretary for that like yeah, first year. And mm-hmm. did a lot of administrative stuff, organizing tournaments. Had a French tour stop hosted in Toulouse. It was the first year with like a regular tour series system. In France, then middle of the year I joined Round at France as well because of that, um, and then it went by really quickly. I feel like, 
I don't think there's a lot of sports where you say, hey, I started the sports and two years later, I'm on the European board of that sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm running, I'm running this show. Um, no. I, that, that, that does transition in nicely because as much as it is also interesting to hear about like your, your rounded um, transition and just like playing and then more involved in the club. I think one big topic that would be really cool to talk about is of course role uh, in the European Roundnet Association um, because I think put quite bluntly in through my eyes you are the queen of Europe uh, <laughs> I think we'll see a lot what happens on the court because that's what round that's what we consume the same way as when you look at another sport you don't really realize what's going on behind the scenes you just you're watching the scene that's being presented to you on tv um but i know from obviously personally being on the board with you how much effort how much time and how much passion you put into your role on the european rant association so, so like the one big question that i think would be nice to start is why you was initially interested in joining the European Roundit Association uh, last year? Um, I So I was part of the French Federation and I enjoyed it, um, but it was, def it was definitely a little bit more um, slow moving just or definitely, I felt like it would be really interesting to have more impact, I guess, on a European scale. Um, and I also figured that since it's on a European scale, you'll have people who really want to invest themselves into the sport and and yeah, give their time to, to make the sport better. And so I remember what got me to apply was actually Jakob and Miyaho because um, Jakob had texted me saying, hey, we're trying to like, I'm trying to figure out like a group of people who could be at Europe who would be really invested, which was um, with Yao, Dominic, and I, I think Dominic didn't apply in the end, but Yavo did. And then also some guy named Scott and Benny and Messiah. <laughs> you guys also applied. And so then, then he just said it was fun um, at the moment after like votes and seeing this was the board that was created to be able to join with everyone. And we hadn't met ever before or talked to ever before that, I think. So it was just also, I knew Benny, Yesai, and Jakob, and you were yeah, the only person I didn't know, but it was fun to see that this was the group that like was invested and wanted to be part of the European board. So it's a nice feeling to get excited for. Did <laughs> so, so other than wanting to have a bigger impact and work with other potentially passionate people, what was your sort of experience of the current at that moment european board and also european scene because why like of course there's an opening but if you believe everything's going the well then why would you want to make yeah. an impact unless you want to improve something that's already great but that's not always the case yeah so i think i i've always um been intrigued about what was going on at the top level where like during that year of the Tour series inclusion and Riga and all that. Like I, I wasn't there necessarily, but I was following what was going on, new sort of names and everything. I had been to Mallorca that year, so I met quite a lot of different players from all over, which was really nice. Um, 
And there was the Challengers in Paris and Ghent that year, which I went to. I think those are the only European tournaments I did that year. So no Euro tournaments. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just really cool seeing how many players from different countries came to those tournaments versus how many came to Cruz, Riga, Sheffield, and so on. I don't know. There's probably like just multiple reasons for it, but it was just really nice to see that in Paris and Ghent, there were so many players attending. Mm -hmm. um, there were still some, how do we, like, some things to fix, as in everything, even what we're doing today, there's always things to fix, but that I just noticed in terms of like seating and things like that, where I was just like, oh, this could be, this could be better. And this, like, there's things to do, there's things to work on. Um, oh, and then I went to Euros as well that, that year. And I think that's uh, during Euros where uh, I was like, hey, I really want to be, have more of an impact in all this and be a part of this. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> and then, so then fast forward on to then when you get elected. So October-ish 2022, ETS season of that year is finished. You've now been elected on the board alongside um, Jakob, uh, myself, Benny, Asaya, and what is going through your mind now? And what what was your first thoughts on on being part of the European uh, Around Association Board? Three things. I think first of all, it was like excitement, <laughs> and then it was confusion on what is this like what ha what exists what is created we had like the amazing chance to have andrew stay and help us out with like the drive and all that andrew killed from norway right yeah mm -hmm. yeah exactly but there is still a lot of mystery around the year association where it was where was the bank account where was everything um and so yeah, confusion and then followed by some stress because I think we got onto the board in maybe November or things started to take place in November. And when you look at it a year later, we are in November. We've already like got the dates out. We're setting up the 2024 season already. So it's just like we got in so late the year we were introduced to, to Europe that it was just a lot of things to prepare for a season that was starting potentially in February or March. Plus, with Spike Ball having been involved in the tournaments the year before and having already sent out applications, it was just like, yeah, a skeleton to dig up, <laughs> finding puzzle pieces. And yeah, but it was fun as well. Like looking back, it was stressful, but it was also like a nice moment to do all together in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, no. Would you like to do it again? <laughs> I would have liked to do it again, but I just, I think it like, it gives even more. Um, I guess pride in what we've been able to do having started from that where I wouldn't want to do it again but just like I think we can be proud of what we've done in a year's time knowing we started in those conditions so so when you first came on the board you was uh, surprised by the maybe the, the the time needed for the tasks ahead and also surprised by the the, the lack of foundation that was already built before you came on the board. Yeah, I remember also talking with Yaka about it and being like, uh, I don't know, I want to be like, I want to be a part of this, but I don't necessarily want to give a lot of my time. It's more like if I can help out here and there, I will. And then 
I would be like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is not what's going to be happening. Okay, so then, all right, so then let's fast forward a couple of months to, let's say, around January, February, when, you know, had a little bit of time um, on the board to start getting a few big, big things done. What were a few of the biggest things to try and tackle coming from this lack of foundation, shall we say? Like, what, what was, as you, as, a, as an individual board member, what was you, like, mainly trying to focus on getting complete for the 2024 season and also just like the future of Europe. I think now I can like remember the generic stuff because maybe part of it, like my brain has <laughs> washed <laughs> off. But um, in general, setting up the tournaments and the beginning, like the discussions with Spikeball to figure out what's going on in Europe. Europe is its own entity and it's supposed to be the like, sort of tournament or growth development of the sport um, entity in Europe. Uh, that's at least the way we sort of saw it. And so how is that going to work with an equipment manufacturer also wanting to run tournaments? So I think that was like biggest tackle that we had for the beginning and for the 2023 season. And then um, followed by, oh wait, we also have to take care of seating. We also have to take care of this. And then oh, we're going to introduce a gold status. So that means sanctioned events. And I think just we had a lot of ideas, which was great. But when you were starting from so little, it takes a little while to build on each idea. Mm. And I also think people obviously notice throughout the season that there is some things that weren't fully thought out. And that because we had so little time, it was like the big the big things, like the tournaments, the seating and all that. Like, okay, how are we going to do this? Okay, this, 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 and that. And then it's just like all these questions of like particular use cases, which are a hundred percent valid, but just you're there. And even this year for this season, new questions where you're like, huh? Yep. <laughs> Haven't thought about that. <laughs> yeah, definitely an important thing to think about. And I think throughout the season, especially at the events themselves, we've definitely been confronted with those situations of being like, whoops. We didn't prepare for this. <laughs> so, so how, so in the beginning and even throughout the year, how many like hours did you expect to put into Euro like per week slash month versus how many did you end up putting in throughout the 2024 year on a sort of, of 2023 year on a weekly basis? So honestly, because of the way that like the discussions I had had with the ACA were was like we had to apply for specific roles. And so the idea was, I think, um, Yaka would be doing tournaments. Dominic would be doing like event organization, Yahoo seating and ranking and someone else. I forget who would be doing like the administrative part and I would be there to like help out here and there. <laughs> so I expected to do like maybe two hours, four hours or yeah, no, yeah, two hours a week. I really didn't expect it to be that much, especially since I had round at tools as well, where I had applied to, like, as a team, we had applied for a um, challenger event. And so I'm, I'm not sure I would have taken that on knowing the 12 plus 16 hours that, like, we, yeah, I would end up spending for the week. I honestly felt like this year, Euro was a part-time job. Um, I don't know how I did it. I 
I, yeah, I don't think my work, my actual full-time job <laughs> fell apart or <laughs> nothing like that. Like I still had time for my full-time job, but definitely there were moments where I'm like, how, how am I still being able to do this? And how am I spending this many hours on, on these activities? I think just my personal hobbies maybe took a little bit of a hit <laughs> through spending that much time on Europe. Did you ever feel there was a moment throughout the year that you were sort of just like, uh, guys, I, this is sort of getting over the threshold of what I signed up for. I, I, I just, I mean, you're like, no one's getting paid. And, and also, right, that there, there was a very much a lack of candidates who did apply to be on the board. So did you at any point just sort of feel like, okay, so the 12 to 14 hours I'm putting in a week is over the threshold. I'm, I'm out. Like, I need to just, hey, I need to say I'm out. A moment? It could be similar. <laughs> no, <laughs> Subjective. Definitely, yeah. I think I definitely felt it a few times, and I think it's also my own fault, just because I need to learn to put more barriers on those points of be like, okay, I'm having too much, like taking on too much, and it's important for me to learn as well to say no and to take on less because I couldn't, I wouldn't redo what I did last year, even though I'm really happy and proud of everything that we've done. I wouldn't be able to redo it. And I don't think it's healthy, healthy to redo what I did last year either. But I definitely remember a point, I think it was in May when um, Jakob took a pause that it ended up being only three of us on the board. And we already had that work. Yeah, it's just add context of Isaya who who originally applied, but then got unfortunately more and more uh, more and more taken away with his uh, full-time job and then just wasn't able to, to come on the board. So left in, or I think, February or March time. Yeah. And so at that point, we had already had a side of the left. Yaka was taking a pause. So we were only left with three people and still as much work as at the beginning. And I was just thinking to myself, like, oh, I, I needed that pause as well. Like, I needed some, some rest. It was. <laughs> mm. But I think, yeah. that, like, the thing that makes it easier all the time is you and Benny because that's like the biggest difference I felt from being around at Toulouse or around at France. Biggest difference with being at Euro with you guys is that I've always felt supported and felt like I'm not alone in any endeavor that we're or any idea that we're trying to push, that we're always having discussions together and always figuring it out together. And when I did have like when I had too many things, you guys would take over some things. When you had too many things, we would take over. And I think, yeah, feeling that support is definitely something that I only have felt at Euro and that's felt really good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, that, although that's very like nice to hear personally, I think, I, I think that's very important when people are doing things on a voluntary basis that they do enjoy them and they enjoy the people they're doing them with. If you're mm -hmm. you're doing something on a voluntary basis and you don't enjoy the crowd or you don't enjoy the, the you split straight up you just don't enjoy what you're doing then what why are you doing it on a voluntary basis um mm. yeah that the way the goal or whatever gain you get from it has to then be great whether that's put it on your cv or i don't know to 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 speak or to get on to speak to somebody through that network like again i don't know and i'm just comparing it to other other reasons of why people do things on voluntary basis but gosh if you can find a, a good good group to do stuff on a voluntary yeah. basis gosh it makes it makes it that much more enjoyable i personally don't know if if i would have i mean i did initially sign up and said 
quite unprecedented in saying that when I want to when I want to join the board, I want to be with Benny and Asaya. Like we joined as a trio because, I mean, I wasn't aware of you at the time. Like we never spoke in person. Um, I knew there would be a lack of candidates who would be interested in signing up for Euro, given the the task at, at hand. And I knew that at least if I was with Benny and Asai, it would be somewhat enjoyable. Even if I was out my depth within several capacities and didn't know what I was doing. I mean, taking on a European round association was just something that I saw was desperately needed given the 2022 season. And something that if, if you know, if, if we don't do it, who else is going to do it? Who will? And it's it's to that point where again if then if I have agreed to myself okay I'm going to do it I want to do it with people that I enjoy and it was unfortunate as I did then leave but it was still I mean so much fun also from a personal point of view to be able to work with you know both you Benny and now we've got fortunately to Margot who's joined us has been you know great to help and and take some of um yeah take some of the load <laughs> um, with a fourth board member um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's so true. Um, it's so true. So you talked a few times about potentially... Uh, just in regards to what you said also about like the voluntary basis thing, I think for every association, what's difficult is... Sure, sometimes you'll find like multiple people that want to be part of the association. In Toulouse, I think there's like maybe about 12 people that are part of the club. Um, but of course, it's not necessarily 12 full-time people. And I think that's the thing that was really nice with the group that we had, at, even at the very beginning of um, you, Benny, Jakob, and Isaiah, is that it was clear Isaiah said, hey, you guys, I'm sorry I have too much work for my personal life. Like, I won't be able to give as much as I expected. And I think that was the nicest thing ever that he could have done because... Agreed. It's I, I understand how everyone wants to maybe, or lots of people want to be involved, um, but I think it's important to know how much you can be involved. And even if it's just a little bit, to just let people know that that's a little bit. That little bit of help will still be useful, but it's just so much more useful when you know about it and you don't have to expect something from someone that they won't be able to provide and then just keep on hoping or keep on doing tasks and delegating things and then they're, they're not happening. So then you have to look them over and it takes so much more time. I think from the beginning, it was just quite like really honest between everyone of how much work each person wanted to put in. And that's what was like the big difference that I felt from being on the Euro board rather than around it, France, around it. Mm -hmm. and, and sort of to tie into that, as the, as the hours were growing from your expectation to reality, so going from you expecting to maybe do a couple of hours each week to then doing, you know, 10 plus hours, did you... Uh, did you like, was it at that moment then you then started to second guess? Like, yeah, not, not because we've already discussed in regards to if or not you thought about leaving at one point, but more as if you thought like, oh, if, is this like going to be like this for the, for the, for the full year? Like when did, when did that penny drop for you? Like, oh, this, this is actually the work required for this task. When did I realize that it was going to be that much work? our first meeting i think <laughs> when we talked with andrew and he was like and we and I, I think i asked something about like oh do you guys have a bank account set up um not sure i don't know how much money we have on it <laughs> and i was like oh okay and i think that's the point where i was like okay this is yeah there's some work to do 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So then again, sort of like fast forward then a little bit more towards the end of the season. What has been some of like your personal highlights from a from a Euro perspective of the 2023 season from what you've, you've then been able to see and even be a part of if you managed to be at the tournaments themselves? So I went from zero European tournaments in 2022 or zero Euro tournaments to then attending all the Euro tournaments in 2023, including like Licks and Russells. Um, and I think the highlight was seeing all that come to fruition and seeing all the like local hosts put in their time as well to help us like make that tournament series. So more generically, I, that's the highlight, being able to travel as well and and go to all these different locations that we helped select. And I think, yeah, that would be the overall highlight. And then more specifically, Padova, as much as it was very hard and very um, time-consuming for Benny and I, especially because we were on site and we were playing in the Chronovision and having to organize things for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for a new format on top of that on Sunday. We're like, looking back when I'm saying this, I'm like, why did we do all <laughs> that? But I'm happy that we did. Um, but just definitely, despite all that and despite the things that happened on site, um, I think it was one of the moments where people really noticed how much work we put into it. And I've never done it for the appreciation. I've always just done it because I enjoy it. But with the amount of work and how much it took from me that year, I, the appreciation was definitely felt good to to know that people were aware of that. It yeah, it felt good, and so that was also a highlight to feel that appreciation. Basically, do you feel as if most? Do you feel that the maybe the lack of understanding in certain situations by members of the European Roundup community, or maybe just you know, either other members outside the Roundic, European Roundup community, their, sometimes their concerns and, and viewpoints come through a lack of understanding in regards to that they're just not aware of how much maybe time or, or even like the task put on a, uh, an entity such as Euro or even, you know, put it on another, compare it to another like uh, entity such as an NGB of Roundit Holland or Roundit Finland. Is it, do you think most of the time the, the ignorance is because of a lack of knowledge? A hundred percent. I think if there's like a episode disclaimer for all the listeners, if you guys are a Discord troll and you identify as a Discord troll, <laughs> please think of your words before writing them because I think that was like a big thing throughout the season where especially for Betty and I, who maybe are a little bit more sensitive to that type of thing. <laughs> I'm just, just I, I, <laughs> I see them and laugh and then I move on. Um, I, I get angry, but I then quickly to myself and then I forget about it. <laughs> and I think um, Benny and I tend to take it to heart a little bit more. But a lot of times those types of messages are from a lack of understanding. And and through the messages, it's like directly attacking or directly criticizing rather than asking the people involved, why is this happening or what was the choice behind this? Which, I mean, I understand we will always be making the right decisions or making decisions that we feel are right. And sometimes even regretting them later. But at least if people take the time to ask us, it feels more like a discussion and less of a 
constant attack. <laughs> so definitely I think lack of understanding was a big thing. Do you feel maybe that like attitude of like maybe being a little bit, um, what's the word be? A little bit maybe straightforward by certain members of the rounded community is it do you think that comes from a certain stigma that they created or adapted during the 2022 season or even prior when the current board weren't on at, at euro like do you think that carried over to then the new board that there wasn't like a a created trust or transparency and so it was yeah, and even lack of knowledge, right, of even the previous board, because however maybe the how much the previous board struggled, there was still a certain amount of time and effort that they put in that not too many other people were willing to put in. And that and that's even shown by at the end of the season when they stepped down, there was a real lack of candidates for 2023. Mm -hmm. So as much as people complained, yeah. there was also a, a, you know, a very few people who were willing to make the difference. No, I think, I mean, what I applied, to be honest, I, even to this day, I'm not even sure who was on the board in 2022. I know there was Andrew Quayle. I know that there was Sean Malbec. Um, Simon from Ireland, maybe as well. Yeah, indeed. But then, but there were probably a few others. And, and I mean, lots of respect for what they also did because they was also a first year of creating things. But just it's true that when... You don't necessarily know who those people are and there's not a face or a person you can go to to a tournament to talk about these things then it makes it more difficult and i think during our year at the board we were maybe like judged for the mistakes that have been done in the past similarly to the next board who will maybe be judged by the mistakes we've done but hopefully the next board will also have like more grace from people because we've like set up um, meetings with NGBs to be transparent about things, have discussions at tournaments. We've always been very open to having discussions with people, even though it's not necessarily the best time because we're also there as players, but we still take that time to have those discussions and and hopefully that'll help like create that sort of transparency and trust between your and players in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Has that... <laughs> Has there has there ever been moments throughout the 2023 season that, that went like a little bit over the top? Like you talked about players coming up to you during tournaments and asking questions, and maybe even maybe times when you've been playing matches. That has there any like is there any? You don't have to name names, but like I think it's obviously interesting to know for context of like has there ever been that real cross of barrier because it's hard in round net when we're all wearing so many hats and. And your Euro hat is being placed on you despite having your player hat playing in the game. Like, has there been, yeah, times like that? Where it's, yeah. I think there have been, like, there have been a lot of times like that for sure. There have been some good times like that where I know I remember in Mix um, in Brussels, Dave from Austria came to talk to me and was asking me about the seating. And it was a really cool conversation because it was genuinely coming from a place of how come it's like this? I don't agree, but how come it's like this? And then we talked about it and at the end of the discussion. He was like, oh, okay, I understand. And that makes sense. And so it was really, and even if he understood and didn't agree at the end, at least we had the discussion where he knew where I was coming from and it really wasn't hostile. So those are the types of discussions I don't mind having every day because like we said before, if it's from a lack of knowledge that people aren't understanding, then it's also unfortunately, like we've decided to be on the board. So it's our place to also like share what we're doing with people. Um, so that's maybe like one of the better parts of someone interrupting or coming at, at a tournament and asking. And then one of the like 
worst parts that I remember was um, in Padova. I was playing with Ricky against Curly Fries, Alina and Ines from Austria. And I think we're in the middle of our second set at like 10-8 or something like that. And the, the, the brackets weren't out for the women's intermediate division. And someone from Padova came to me and was like, ah, I'm in here, we need the brackets for women's intermediate. And I was just a little bit like surprised first because I was like, they do realize that I'm playing a game. And then I said, no. And the person insisted and I was like, no, I'm playing a game. And they insisted again. And thankfully, Alina, the amazing person that she is, she was just like, she said, no, leave her alone. And then the guy went off and I finished my game and then took care of it. But it also kind of distracted me a little bit. Um, and it wasn't enjoyable because that person should have known wrong time, wrong place. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's, just in any other sport, a player is playing in the pro division of that sport and the host is coming to be like, hey, during that game, you got to know in diving or something, you're on top of the diving board ready to, to jump and someone come back. <laughs> and he's like, oh, by the way, the regulations, can we check on this? I don't know, just yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. seem realistic. <laughs> um, and then in Vienna as well, I think was hard for Betty and I because there were some use cases obviously that we hadn't fully thought out and so some heated discussions from players um and obviously with Benny we're always trying to come from a place of like showing the other person where we're coming from and trying to like tell them why our choices were like that but they're not always received that way and so I think Jenna in particular was really hard for Benny and I because of that mm -hmm. so two examples of <laughs> it plays later during the day on our mental situation because like I said before, we're also a tad more sentimental with Benny <laughs> or at least I am. I can't speak for Benny, but I think that he would agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, the key is with Benny, he wouldn't disagree because he wouldn't want to cause a conflict. He would talk about why you would feel that way. He, uh, he would feel that way. And then you come to a very nice conclusion as, as Benny wonderfully does um, with everyone. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So, see, so wearing two hats definitely um, can be challenging and mm. prove to be challenging at different events throughout the season. So, if we then fast forward a little bit toward the end of the season, um, the 2024 season is like already underway, right? The majority of the tour schedule is already out in what the middle of November and was being worked on since the middle of August, I think, right? Yeah, I think it it would be nice to also go to on just talk about like what does a standard I'm gonna say work week because it's not work right it's like part time voluntary but like what does a standard Euro week look like and maybe it's probably easier to use one of the most recent weeks um, in regards to just around when the tour series schedule was being fanned or even contracts with sponsors and stuff like that what sort of went into a week just so people can get maybe more of an understanding of also because in case they want to take on a role in the future either on euro or a euro committee or even be part of their ngb or even local club right it's, it's good so and interesting to know how much does go on and what what, what things are involved behind the scenes 
I think one big thing that people don't realize, because this, even for me, like I had never done this around at France or around at Toulouse, is that we meet every Tuesday, unless there's a reason for us not to meet, or we're just moving it to Thursday instead. We do meet every single week, and it's not just for 30 minutes. It's usually two-hour conversations, if not more. <laughs> and I think that's a big thing because it wasn't like I had never been part of a federation or a club that meets that often. And, and I remember the first the time we were around each week. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I remember the first time that it was like proposed that we do this back in April. Yeah, I think it was in April or something because we didn't start this way or in March. And I was just like, mm -hmm. Sorry, every week? Are we sure we have to do that? <laughs> I was saying, I was like, geez, I was like, I, know, I love it, but like, I don't know if I want to get like in a weekly schedule doing giving yeah. two, two and a half hours each a week. <laughs> and turns out, like, I was, I mean, it was much needed at that moment. Mm -hmm. And now we're also a little, like, we can be more flexible with it, but it's still, it's also just very enjoyable because it's not a full two hours of us talking about rap about euro stuff yes that's like 90 percent of the time but we also goof around which makes it like a little bit more fun it's just we're hanging out together on a tuesday night i guess <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, for me <laughs> yeah it's, it's not it's not a hundred percent like that because it is a lot of stuff but yeah i think every week we just basically meet we have a list of to do's that to do never gets shorter it does get longer <laughs> but there's constantly things to work on and um yeah we started on planning the 2024 season before euros was even finished before mix even took place so there was constantly things that kept on adding up to our to-do list and then we sort of we divide who's doing what um, in terms of like social media view a lot and then tournament stuff sometimes can be more we and benny are answering emails goes doing doing a great job with the administrative and financial part of Vera. So we have like that general distribution. But then during the meeting on all the topics, everyone's getting involved and everyone's sharing their opinion. And um I think also what makes it okay to have every week is that the discussions are really interesting on our sport in general. Not every single week, sometimes some weeks the tasks are a little bit more not boring but a little bit more mundane and others <laughs> um okay. but we also have yeah like discussions on the development of the growth that come into it and what our long-term vision for the sport is and how we at Europe can make that happen and with the group that we that we have it's really nice because I feel like when there's disagreements we get to see each other's different viewpoints and we always end up coming to like a conclusion where it makes sense for everyone um mm -hmm. so yeah once a week and then after that meeting if it doesn't finish at midnight i would be doing the euro stuff from that meeting if it does finish at midnight i'm going to bed <laughs> um but then definitely doing the euro stuff and it takes maybe like four hours for like the rest of the week or more in sending emails responding to people because now the more transparency and trust that we've put into it the more emails we're getting from people that want to host sanctioned events before applications are even out or who are interested in becoming a member. I think this like in the past month, there's Luxembourg 
Bulgaria, um, Lithuania who joined. There's like four different countries who joined in the last month in Europe, which is really cool to see. And so, yeah, getting back to those people by email, setting up the sponsorships for next season, which we also want to know that information as quickly as possible. So it's not just one email that I spend 30 minutes on and then send like, if they answer before the end of the week, I'm also trying to respond to that, or we're also trying to figure out and texting constantly, I think every day in the WhatsApp on what's going on at Euro. <laughs> I, I, I think it's nice to also add on that, that uh, the, the process of picking the, the locations for the ETS events, like that was as much, I also like personally quite enjoyed that week of like talking to certain people and interviewing them, but like that was a whole process and like that's that's like again if we like talk of like a European Roundnet Association or what some objective and goal is like you know what what are we doing to grow European Roundnet what are we doing to uh, help support and help NGBs now what are we doing on the tournament side to help the competitive scene grow and flourish okay what decisions will we make on the competitive scene that would therefore uh, therefore inf influence the longer term scene of Roundnet in regards to what sponsor we choose and how that's going to affect everything like. I, I like there's some of the questions but like even just one week when we're just trying to discuss what um location is going to host the tour stops we all have like two yeah. or three interviews each to go around and talk to different people about yeah how the facilities are what if it would work um that was that was an enjoyable week though yeah because i think we had we also the year before the places were sort of chosen by spike ball and then we accepted those areas and there weren't a lot of applications for Euros or for mixed championship. While this year, I think there are a total of 14, 16 applications. So that was really cool to see. But then it's like, oh, who are we going to choose? Like how did, like there's so many good candidates. And so we would have an hour meetings for each candidate. And luckily, since we separated those meetings, not 16 hours for only one person, but, um, but that's, that goes back to what I was saying earlier, that it's nice because actually like we do support each other all and we like separated those meetings equally and all brought our work to Yura or like brought our efforts and energy. And, and recently, uh, there have been committees that have been put out to extend the Yura team. Yeah. Um, so multiple committees one for social media which unfortunately didn't get a lot of applicants um which is or like content in general which is definitely a little bit was a little bit sad for us because there's a lot of photographers um content creators in terms of streaming or uh even filming or whatever who could have joined and added to that um and then we also had a seating and ranking committee which we're really excited about because I think that was a big thing last season where it's such an important element of the sport that you need to take time to think about. And we just didn't have that time. So this year, if we can add on a few brains to help uh, think of it more, or take the time to think of it thoroughly um, while we continue and do all the other tasks, that's going to be a huge help. And then the observing committee, because a self-observed sport, it's, tough <laughs> so as much as we can get some observers in there the, the better it'll be and we got some applicants for also it was nice to see people wanting to get involved 
even though there's always more people that can get involved. <laughs> Heard with a citation. Um, yeah, I see. I think and that that's like so quite an interesting conversation. It's like everyone, like from my opinion, like everyone wants round grow. I think, and the question is, do some people then want to get involved? Or the real question is, why do people not want to get involved? Some reasons will be they don't know how. Some reasons will be they don't have the time. Some will be they don't think they have the ability or the skill set to add value where's maybe needed or necessary. And I think that's that's probably what's going. That's probably the three reasons primarily going through going through people's head when they're deciding yeah, if they can or can't. Uh, yeah time and effort into into a project like like Euro and Roundnet in general, right? Because it's not like just Euro people have the potential to to get involved. They can get involved in a local club. And I think that's also like a big a big highlight point of this conversation is that also the people that are listening are like, damn, like wow, it's really interesting to know a little bit what's happening behind the scenes, but it's also happening behind the scenes for NGBs in a different context but similar hours and it's also happening for local clubs. Maybe you get similar scenes, but maybe a different amount of hours. And, and when we came on the board, we didn't have a, an incredible skill set, I'd say. So, so really putting yourself into those those scenes off the court as important as the scenes on the court. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's. Um, no, I was just going to say, it is nice um, to be part of, because as you said, there's also the NGBs contributing to all this local clubs and everything, to be a part of the continent that I would I would say is the continent that's pushing the development of the growth the most for the moment. Um, as much as there are things that are being done on all the different types of continents, I think the way things are structured in Europe with how much NGBs do, how much NGBs share amongst each other and are working together with Yura by having like tournaments on the second weekend of every month for Yura. NGBs having it, they're looking like, I know in France, they're looking into the third or the fourth weekend of every month. I just feel like the whole community in Europe, at whatever scale, as a player, as a club, as an NGB or as Yura, comes together in a way that's really cool to see and hopefully will inspire other continents to do the same. Um, Asia also has their tour series, which looks really cool from afar when I've looked into it a little bit. Um, obviously, the United States does some really cool stuff with Spikeball and everything, but definitely the whole club aspect and NGB aspect sometimes, or maybe it would be like SGB for state to the governing body, yeah. sometimes is it's not necessarily on the same level yet as it is in Europe, which, um, yeah, I definitely hope that by doing what we're doing in Europe and by sharing as much as as much as possible, like you guys had around at Germany on the podcast, things like that, it'll help pe get people a clear idea of what they could also try to implement or not to do as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as much as it's it's adding context of what to do or even context of just the, the work required, it's also the good information of what not to do and things to be aware of before going into roles and, and responsibilities of a, of a club or organization or an NGB. Um, a, a side sort of question, 
uh, for you. There's, and this is for mainly the the American listeners. Um, there's a lot of talk in general about the STS tour or the Spikeball tour series in its long-term goals, ambitions, uh, and also its its current setup. Would one do you feel that the USA Roundnet could do or could overtake the STS uh, or the Spikeball Tour series one day and become more like what the European Roundnet Association has done? Like basically, and not and, and not not to say like every every continent way the way they do it is the way they do it, but just to put put quite plainly, do you think that the US could take some things from Europe in regards to USA art sort of run things then they have the states as sort of NGBs and then college and more clubs to come and help build and sustain the sport around that in 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 the, in the US yeah I mean 100% I think without spike ball around that would it wouldn't be where it is today 100% mm-hmm. um yep. it even in Europe when we look at 2022 before we got on the board like those European tournaments in Paris and Ghent were the ones that were the most structured and the, or like for me personally, that made me also want to get more involved at the Euro board and on the European level. So a hundred percent round net wouldn't be where it is without Spikeball. But I do think that we've come to a point now where there are enough volunteers and there are enough people in the community who want to get involved and who want to help develop the growth and so it's not only on the manufacturer now to do that and when you look at other sports a manufacturer is a sponsor manufacturer isn't the one running the tournaments and if it's being done in 25 other sports for the past 20 years they probably know something about it (laughs) and it probably there's a reason behind it um so i would say that it would that USAR, I had thought that they would be taking over the 2024 season of tournaments. Um, maybe not necessarily USAR, because once again, then the USA is part of North America, but there isn't a North America uh, entity or even an America with South America. I don't know how it would work, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, maybe it's USAR and around that and the USA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So maybe like another entity above that that should be running the tournaments or them in collaboration simply that should be setting up the tournaments even for both of their countries it there's like so many benefits for them to have a shared tour series where they're working in collaboration and it's not someone else setting it up for them um i also think that having spike ball as a sponsor allows everyone at tournaments to focus on what they're good at basically and not we're not what they're good at, but just like what they can add the most value to is the better wording. Um, because, for example, I don't know if we can spoiler this, but for the 2024 season, one thing that I'm most excited about is thanks to the sponsor, main sponsor of the 2024 season, we're going to have a cash prize of 1,500 euros per division for each ETS tournament which that alone, it's it's a small detail, but I think it's so cool to be professionalizing the sport that way. Um, there's obviously debates on the money entering into the sport and so on, which I also like, I don't have a strong opinion on that because I see the benefits to adding it, but the cash prize in the sense that it will help teams that are traveling and that are putting 
all their money into Roundnet and not getting other any reward other than congrats you got first place at an event of a sport that's not well known. Um, I just think that's really cool that the sponsor is there to be able to help on such a note. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've voiced my opinion on, on like sponsorship. Oh, sorry, so prize money on several episodes before. So there's no need to go in, in too much detail. Um, but I do very much agree with uh, the fact that uh, a manufacturer being a sponsor for a tour series is definitely more of a, a long-term and, and obviously works in other sports. And, and that's it's obvious to that when looking at other sports. Um, so it would be interesting to see, yeah, even a USAR and, and Canada Round Net collaboration or either just doing their own tour series um, within their said countries. I think probably the, the thing that's holding them back is um, is probably the people who are willing to put in time and effort into, into creating and establishing that in the US. I think there's a little bit of culture to overcome because people, you know, are familiar with the STS and are familiar with Spyfall having such a big hand. So I think that getting over that shift is, is not as big of a one as we've had to overcome in Europe because there's never been as much of a close tie to, to the manufacture of Spiteball. But I do think um, it's very possible. It's probably down to um, yeah the, the amount of people who are dedicated to growing the scene and growing the, yeah, behind the scenes, all these things that we talked about in the US and, and for other countries too, but primarily the US just given the STS yeah. season. And there are also a lot, like, there are also very different challenges in the U.S. that we don't have in Europe. We're looking at the, like, ETS series of 2024. Other than Finland, I'm going to be able to go to every tournament by train. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit of a while, a little bit longer. Um, but I just prefer to take the train to the plane. And I have that opportunity to do so in Europe. Um, and even to go to Finland, which is one of the furthest locations, like, it might be just a two-hour flight, maybe five hours if I don't have a direct flight, max. And when you look at the U.S., it's not at all the same distances. Um, since there's such a big monopoly with planes and there's a very, like, a, a small developed trail, a train system, the prices are a lot more expensive as well for planes. So there's a lot, like, there's all those challenges that are also very different in the U.S. that we don't have in Europe that can make it harder um, where I think it was a year ago or two years ago that Andrew would go from place to place with all the spikes in the van and to make sure that they could is. get, yeah, to make sure that they could get to each tournament, which in Europe, I mean, doable, fun, because the places are not that far, but in the US, mm-hmm. definitely you probably covered a lot of distance doing that. Yeah, so, so, so a lot of money on gas, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think the US would be capable of still of like, owning their own uh, the U.S. in collaboration with Canada. That means five people from USA around it, maybe five people from Canada around it. That's already 10 people that could create a system, create a tournament series where they choose locations that make sense for all the players that they're representing. And now communities have enough sets on their own without having to rely as much on the manufacturer or they have more experience than they did two or three or four years ago. So I just think it's it could it's a hundred percent would be doable in the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love just as a like as a current U.S. citizen, not for too much longer, but as a current U.S. Uh, or not a citizen, sorry, resident. Big difference. <laughs> um, uh, green card incoming, no day. Um, <laughs> uh, as a, as a U.S. resident, 
I mean, how awesome would it be to have like each state having their own tour series and then one or two would be a major. One of those majors would then be an STS, sorry, not an STS, a USAR slash Canada collaboration event where that would go to the USAR and Canada or just USAR um, tour series. So you'd have, you know, you'd go west to east or, or north to south, however you wanted to do the tour series and you would just start it and then just, yeah, work your way and go from state to state, help them grow the scene, but and also help promote their their local or their 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 state tour series. And you'd have a big one in each or as many states as you could for for the year. I think that would be also really cool. But I'm also the, um, as... Nuts tour series, North America tour series. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> copyright it now. Get some money with they try to take it. Like, a little hashtag to start a petition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but that would be cool. Um, to move on the discussion a little bit and, and talk a little bit more back to, to Europe and the 2024 season, um, what are you mainly looking forward to? That Yeah, we've talked about some things already done, but what are you personally looking forward to, both as a player, a round net hat player on, mm-hmm. and also you're a uh, member, board member hat on? So my player version <laughs> is excited for the locations, just because I feel like we're going to new places this year. And um, for example, Paris has been doing a great job these last two years as a challenger and then as an ETS event. But it is nice that things are also changing up with Barcelona, Ruben, Bologna in the south of Italy, Helsinki, um, Bern as well in Switzerland. I'm really excited about that one. So I think, yeah, as a player that I'm, Excited for the location. Um, and then as Yura, I'm excited for less work. Because <laughs> I think that we've just like set up so much in the 2023 season that in theory, we should be having less things to work on or more time to develop growth and fun ideas and less time to do like the logistic stuff that now is set up. I'm hoping to be less. Very was the few <laughs> words, but no, I I do hope so. But also, while growing Europe by like having committees, also brings on like you think like oh cool now they can be in charge and we're delegating that to to a committee and you know we're having a hand in it, but we're delegating that to a committee, so it's not out on conversations that we have to have and solve. But on the other hand, you also need to now overlook and de- and help and help that committee. So it it. it it takes away the long in the long run hours, but also adds to hours because you have to, you know, look over and make yep. sure everything's working and functioning. Okay, so so less hours <laughs> is in theory. Yeah, in theory, and I'm also excited for maybe like more um, more positiveness around the tournament series and less trolling or less um, <laughs> unknown or non-factually based attacks. <laughs> I don't know how to word it to make it <laughs> sound <laughs> correct, but um, I just feel like I, like, I know personally, I've talked to a lot of people individually um, to sort of explain that not necessarily received very well when it's a direct attack on something you don't know. Um, and I think it's been received well and understood well and some things have changed. I'm not 
Yeah. Yep. Fully sure it'll change based off how our General Assembly went, but I'm still hoping it will a little bit, that people will be more inclined, maybe after hearing this podcast, to be like, hey, next time <laughs> you're on Discord and criticizing right away, I'm going to go text Scott or I need to ask. <laughs> And then you would leave them on red. No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, I just... no, but depending on the message. Depending <laughs> on the message. No, but no, it's true. And, and we talked earlier a little bit, like like a little bit, like ignorance is bliss. If you, you what you don't know, you're then more likely to not understand because and, and be a little bit harsher, um, and and troll as as you would put. But um, I I think I think it it also not only does it come from that lack of that lack of um, maybe understanding, I think it also comes pairing with uh, high expectations. And I think the better job you do, the higher you raise the bar. If uh, a question to put to you, sort of, again, sorry to derail and go off topic, but like a serious question is, is like, where would you think European round net would be without, if we weren't to go on the board? Like, and that's not to like, as Connor Pritik would say, uh, to glaze the current board, glaze meaning like, to, to big up or to to give them too much credit but like where like european round it would be in a very different situation um if i mean one because there wouldn't be that many other candidates than, than us so i don't think they'd have a board um but in general like it's it's once you look at what what european round it would be without us on it's it's very different but not everyone is maybe having that in mind everyone is just seeing the progress and then saying okay how can we get more how can we get more yeah it's hard to tell because yes, not a lot of people applied, so I would assume it would be the same as it was in 2022, um, or maybe a little bit better. But on the other hand, it does feel like the 2023 season didn't just happen because of um, of Benny, Mahgo, Jakob, you and I. Like it also happened because of discussions I could have had with Yahoo or with Alex from Latvia or with Roundnet Germany. Um, confronting issues with us and giving us feedback or I feel like there's so many different actors um, because of us being at the tournaments as well and getting to know people and so more people discussing things with us like there's so many people that they might not realize but they just had like a small discussion with me and I was like oh yeah huh, that and and that was that started an idea at the board and so yeah I just I forget. I trailed off. <laughs> but I derailed my derailed question. Like, <laughs> expect, like the expectate. Do you think the expectations could also have a hand in why maybe the 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 stigma around Euro is also different in a good way in regards to the expectations is now much higher because of they've seen yeah. how it being done. Y- yes, I think the expectations are higher, so we always have more work to need to put in if that's the question <laughs> not, not the question yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, the original yeah. question that you asked before was about like where would the european round it seem be and i didn't derail on that one <laughs> no no yeah it, it was it, it was it was a big question for sure not not perfectly put just off the top of my head but no it's uh where the yeah, where the european round it uh European round in general would be in, in Euro especially would be would obviously be a very different place and it, it's the yeah. balancing act of okay not everyone is looking back to what it would could or would potentially be without us on the board 
they're just looking at what it currently is now and what it previously was and therefore that's changing their expectations whereas if they was instead implementing the mindset of where would it be had they not taken over or been here there maybe expectations would be very very different yeah no that's true i agree with that i just think that even though it might have been the same as 2022 there's just a lot more actors in play that a lot more people that want to get involved and that have been more vocal about different things and that it still would have developed without us maybe not as much because like there's a lot of ideas and you have to put into the you have to make the ideas concrete at one point or another um but i remember even at euros 2022 before we were on the board there was on the facebook group they were talking about seating and a lot of people were getting involved in that discussion and so i would imagine that if maybe things wouldn't have moved as quickly, but there would have still been a lot of people um, who would have gotten involved somehow or tried to make some changes happen, I'd like to think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then to now go back on the rails and uh, please continue your your thoughts of what you're looking forward to as a player and, and as a Euro board member for the 2024 season. Even more? <laughs> if you have any more, or you can switch. Yeah, switch tats. Um, no, I think I've said everything. I mean, I'm just excited for the season altogether to to like be completed or to come together. Because even at the year award right now, there's still a lot of stuff that's not finished yet and that needs answers to. Um, what the Euros ETS Championship format will look like. I don't mean. There's just a lot of stuff that we still need to figure out. And so I'm excited for everything to come together and then to put on my player hat and enjoy it that way. <laughs> and then as a player, I think I'm yeah excited for the different locations. And I've also gotten more time to spend on me as a player. So I'm excited as well to, to invest more time in that. Um, maybe because we have some hours from Mira, like maybe two hours from Mira that goes into me as a player a little bit more yep. um, and to see what that gives maybe fixed partner or something but I haven't thought about the player side too much yet <laughs> <laughs> yep. right, so other than traveling and discovering locations and spike house here and there which <laughs> already sounds yeah. great Sound, yeah, that sounds like a, a good a good plan and also a very good and uh, healthy mix. Um, <laughs> I think to end or to move towards like an ending topic would be what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to become more involved in round nets behind the scenes from a either a I have a passion I want to get involved or from a hey I want to be on a board of a club or an NGB or a, because I think it's important that people understand that, that that these roles are as important if not more much more than than the player side and I think I've said to people quite openly before that personally me as a as a as a person I'll have much more of a impact on this sport off the court than I will on it despite you know me really enjoying the playing side um, because of where the sport's at and where it needs to go. So what advice would you give to people who are maybe looking to get involved or in that, you know, on the fence of, or maybe wanting to or needing to? 
or getting involved in around it. Do it. <laughs> like Mike, you said, just do it. Deal with that quote. Get sued in the end of that round of podcasts. <laughs> Any other questions? <laughs> yeah. I'll give you two letter, two, two, two worded answers. What's no, the Adidas just... slogan? What's the Adidas slogan? <laughs> I would say just do it because I feel like, I mean, I personally have a low tolerance for people who are all talk and who will talk, 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 but then not actually do something. And so I understand it's obviously in life, it's easier to talk about something than to actually do it. It's easier to think of all these great ideas and project all these cool things that can happen than actually do them. It's harder as well. Um, And so... I think if you want to get involved in whatever capacity, even if it's just a little bit and you want to help out, like reach out to whoever you can to make it happen. Um, because it's not something that like now there's so many different people and actors all over that can that you can reach out to to make whatever you want happen, whether that's creating like a local club in the US, then there's so many local clubs a little bit everywhere that you can reach out to, whether it's someone who wants to get involved at USAR, I think they're taking it applications right now. And um, and then also have questions on the Euro and on how we're doing things, then reach out to people to make things happen, is what I would say, and make it happen. Exactly. <laughs> if you have an idea, make, implement make it. it. Make, make it happen. I'm just checking because I don't want to get sued. You, I know you're Googling it. Oh my God. I'm looking for it. <laughs> Make it happen quote. I'm also Googling it right now. Um, I do not see. I do not see a brand. Can I trademark it? You can. Bang. That's it. Make it happen. Or should I say all your dreams can come true if you have the courage to pursue them. Walt Disney. Disney. Oh, I was going to say that. Oh, we should do this. Make it happen. Next time we're doing a segment and we're doing guest to quote. (laughs) Yes. Guess the quote, apply it to RoundNet and guess the quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Find the most relevant quotes that apply to RoundNet and then guess the brand. And then, <laughs> then reach out to them to sponsor the ETS season for 2024. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell uh, them it'll be the slogan of the ETS event. Every yes, ETS event yeah. will have a different slogan. <laughs> yes. Just do it. Oh, <laughs> like it. I like it. Okay. Um, I think that that's touched on a, so, a lot of things and... Um, Hopefully, again, one of the biggest things that I personally hope people have taken from this conversation is um, just just how what goes on behind the scenes and how also people can choose to get involved, whether that be on a small scale or on a, a larger European set scale, such as as you've done. Um, and it'll also end and say as a on my player hat how much uh, I very do much appreciate the work you do. And then on a board member hat, I would then say, I'm amazed by the work you do, um, which is why I truly mean when I say um, the queen of Europe off the courts as of currently, um, because it is, I don't, I personally, again, don't know where Europe would be just without you on the board. And that's, just because I know me and Benny are, are doers and we enjoy the, the conversations about the sport, but um, there's, there's there's being doers and then there's big doers and you yourself are a very big uh, doer. Um, 
and uh, you you are you are you are a mother hen i think as it goes <laughs> and you very much lead you lead us and it, it, i think it, it's it's very much underappreciated and something that not many people are that aware of so uh, i'll i'll say that also now because i think it's important for you to know how much i appreciate it too thank you hey I'm not good at receiving compliments. <laughs> I'm, I'm really bad too. It's going to be awkward together. I don't know what to say. <laughs> but I will send that back to your way as well to say that I really appreciate as well being on the board with you. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I will add, can I, like, can, can I add this? Um, yeah. That so being on the euro board is a two-year thing which means we're entering year two which means at the end of year two we'll be finished technically mm -hmm. and so this season for anybody who's listening and i think most people who are listening are people who are interested in the development of the sport and stuff um if they're from europe and already have like a little inkling of hey i'd like to maybe join the board next year I hope we sold you, but the 12 hours oh, yeah. and the tasks to do, we sold it for sure. There's no doubt. No doubt. It's sold it. There's going to be less work technically. In theory, there's going to be less work. <laughs> In theory and technically was the key words again, but no, keep selling them. Keep selling them. <laughs> but I think start thinking about it throughout the season if they yep. want to be a part of the board next year. Yep, for sure. Because there's some really cool stuff to do. Yep. Yep. Put very nicely. And I think um, yeah, we'll end the podcast there. I appreciate you a lot mm. for coming on. And um, I I'll let you go just before midnight. So you can, uh, <laughs> you don't have to do your Euro task just before, just after <laughs> you go to bed. Hell. No, yeah. Don't have any homework after the podcast. <laughs> no. All right. Thank you very much for joining me. And I hope everyone enjoyed listening.